0: Once again, welcome to the live broadcast of A Service for the Worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. This is the 98th year of radio ministry at Grace Covenant. Today's date is April 4th, 2021, Easter Sunday, and today's broadcast is number 4,984. This morning's sermon, entitled Truth Revealed, will be delivered by Rev. Derek Starr Redwine, our interim pastor. Assisting in the service today are Christopher Martin, our director of music and organist, Rev. Dr. Nelson Reevely, our pastor for discipleship who is serving as liturgist, the Handbell Choir, and our choristers Audrey Christensen, Stephanie Alt, Christine Anderson, Aaron Cook, Dan Cook, Anthony Warren, and William Dameron. Our opening hymn is Jesus Christ is Risen Today, which is number 204 in the hymn book.
1: Christ is risen, and we have new life with him. And yet, if we're honest, we still struggle. We still struggle to live into hope, to move forward in faith, and to trust, really trust, in God's love for us. In the faith born from an empty tomb, let us together, in confidence, confess our sin and our need for a renewed understanding of God's redeeming grace that is available to us and to all people. Using the words in the bulletin in a time of silence that follows, together, let us pray. When our faith stands at the grave, grieving for a stone that is rolled away, forgive us. When our faith is short of understanding, though the truth is there to see, forgive us. When our faith, beset by doubt, Seize no further than an empty tomb. Forgive us. Bring to mind the cry of Mary, I have seen the Lord, and grant us faith to believe. The psalmist says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. In Christ, God's love is revealed in its fullness. In Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God.
2: Please join me in prayer as we ask God to illuminate our hearts and our minds through his word. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 6, verses 3 through 11. Listen to God's word for us. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed, and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin, But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Today's gospel reading comes from the 16th chapter of Mark's gospel, the end of the gospel, verses 1 through 8. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. He has been raised. He's not here. Look, there is the place they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. The word of the Lord. I sympathize, I sympathize with the monks, I really do. I sympathize with the monks who simply could not believe that Mark ended his gospel in such a completely unsatisfying way. I can understand how, given their job of copying Mark's gospel for future generations, they decided to take matters into their own hands and add an ending or two to clean things up a bit. If you were to open your Bibles right now to the end of Mark, you would see that in addition to today's ending, there are two alternate endings entitled, appropriately, The Longer and Shorter Endings of Mark. Scholars agree these were added on by future generations to finish and complete Mark's account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And who can blame them, really? Did you catch the original ending of Mark's gospel? So they went out and fled, fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone. Why? because they were afraid that's it Did the disciples end up telling the story to other people possibly did they ever encounter jesus again on the road maybe did they ever overcome their fear we just don't know while the other gospel accounts written after mark do answer these questions if mark was all you had which was true for his original audience if mark is all that you had, then one has to wonder what on the world was Mark thinking. Instead of providing closure to his followers, the followers of Jesus, Mark leaves the readers wondering, what on earth happens now? So they went out and fled from the tomb for terror and amazement it seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The end. Or is it? Preacher Fred Craddock knew of a church that had a beautifully decorated sanctuary on Easter morning. The church's display was so amazing, it was the pride of the entire town. The highlight of their decoration was 500 lilies in the chancel. To give you some context, we have about 50. Sometimes the display was a mass of lilies overwhelming the senses. Other times the lilies were placed thoughtfully in the shape of a cross meant to inspire. Regardless, every single year, people, people like you, would give $5 to help the church pay for the lilies. And then give the gift in honor of someone they loved. It was a great tradition, a wonderful way to celebrate Christ's resurrection year after year. In the 16th year of the beloved tradition, however, everything fell apart. It began when one of the members of the congregation went up after the Easter service and said to one of the ushers cleaning up after the service, excuse me, I'm going to the hospital to visit a friend. Could I take one of the lilies and give it to her? The usher awkwardly fumbled for an answer, which in church life means yes. So she went up to the cross and grabbed a lily. And when she did, she shrieked in horror and shouted for all to hear, They're plastic. I know. Well, there was, as you can imagine, much concern over this, as there would be and should be. So much concern that committees were formed. Some were official. Some met in the parking lot. One group eventually calculated how much money had been given over the years to purchase the original set of plastic lilies. The total a staggering $37,000 for lilies. As would happen the minister gathered together the concerned congregation and tried to defend <laughs> defend the practice of plastic lilies on Easter. They were, he argued, carefully stored and covered, I promise, and they had lasted for all these years and they're beautiful, no one could deny that and as an added bonus they don't smell. The pastor ensured the congregation the money was handled well, too. The money was placed in a special fund to help people in need. There was some reluctant acceptance to this logic. But then the pastor made an argument that doomed the tradition forever. When you think about it, he said, plastic lilies really are quite appropriate for Easter because they always bloom. Plastic lilies never die. The people were not convinced by this line of reasoning, and I don't think you would be either. By the way, they're real. Plastic lilies just won't do on Easter, because the resurrection of Christ is more than something that happened long ago that we commemorate with a token. Easter is something real and tangible, like a plant that lives and blooms and dies only to bloom again. Easter is something experienced in the here and the now. It isn't a denial of death, it's a conquering of it. Easter is an invitation to see our lives and the lives of other people in a whole new way. In the short story, Wait and See, the main character, Lyle, has tetrachromacy, which means he can see more colors than most people can. In fact, he can see millions of more colors. People keep telling Lyle that he has a gift, but that's not his experience. Seeing everything in full color to him feels more like a burden than a blessing. As the story reaches its conclusion, Lyle receives a gift from his stepfather, an optometrist who creates special glasses that normalize Kyle's vision. After living a while with the glasses on and then a while with the glasses off, Kyle puts his glasses on one last time, this time for good. He will never take them off again, he declares. He will live in this world as an ordinary person. It's just too much to see the world in all its color. What if the choice before us this Easter and every Easter is that simple? To see life in its fullness, or to see it through lenses that limit our vision, that make life ordinary. Another way to frame it is that on Easter we are presented a choice to either see the resurrection as something that happened a long time ago, or to live as if it actually is something that can happen today. Is Easter a story we recall or a truth we embrace? A reality that adds color and complexity and hope to our ordinary lives. So they went out and fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. The end. Or is it? What if Mark right here in this incomplete ending, is inviting us, the followers of Christ today, to see life in all its color? What if in this unsatisfactory conclusion, Mark is inviting us to pick up the story right where it left off? What if he's inviting us to complete the gospel story by telling our stories of God's resurrection power? After all, the story of what God is doing in and through Jesus isn't over at the empty tomb. It's only getting started. The resurrection really isn't an ending, it's a beginning. In fact, one could argue the entire Gospel of Mark is just a prologue to a never-ending story of God's activity in the world. Christ is risen is more than a historical affirmation. It's a theological claim about how God works. Every dead end, every loss, every failure, every stumble, they are all opportunities for God to act, redeem, reconcile, and restore. Story ends, and by God's resurrection power, a new one begins. An addiction destroys everything, and by God's resurrection power, new life is somehow found. A toxic narrative takes root in a family or in a person. And by God's resurrection power, a new story is written and heard. A war ravages a country, and by God's resurrection power, people rebuild from the ashes. A virus kills millions of people, and by God's resurrection power, the world unites in fighting it. A church nears its end, and by God's resurrection power, a new chapter begins. I'm convinced, it's why I'm still in ministry 21 years later, I am convinced God is always and forever resurrecting hope and life and possibility. We just don't often have the courage to see it, to see life in full color. But when we do, when we let our eyes see the world as it is with God in it, when we are willing to see God's resurrection power in our life, We continue the greatest story ever told. Mark's narrative is incomplete because the story never ends. The Legacy Museum in Montgomery, Alabama, is an institution committed to telling the truth about our nation's racial history and the possibility, the real possibility for reconciliation that leads to real solutions to contemporary problems. Built on a site where enslaved people were once warehoused, the museum is a testimony to God's resurrection power. Lawyer and advocate Brian Stevenson is the founder and executive director of Equal Justice Initiative, the organization that runs the Legacy Museum in Montgomery. One of the exhibits at the museum is a room, a a large room full of glass jars. Each jar has a name on it of a lynching victim, And in each jar is dirt from the location where the lynching happened. It's a powerful, powerful space, a sacred space. When Brian talks about the museum's work in podcasts or interviews, he often tells the story about one volunteer's experience collecting some dirt for that exhibit. This particular volunteer was a middle-aged black woman. The location where she needed to collect dirt from was on a remote road in rural Alabama, in the middle of nowhere. So she was already a little bit nervous when she pulled over her car, stepped out, and got down on her knees to start digging. At that moment, a large pickup truck drove by, slowed down, and then kept on going. This raised her anxiety a bit, but she kept on digging. A few moments later, the truck, the same truck, drove by again this time a little bit slower inside the truck a white man was staring at her as he passed her by the truck returned for a third time and this time pulled over the man stepped out of the truck and started walking towards her she took a deep breath the man looked at her and said what are you doing her response surprised her, she later recounted, given the anxiety she was feeling in that moment. Instead of saying, I'm getting dirt from my garden, which is what volunteers were taught to say if they were uncomfortable, something got a hold of her that day and she told the man the truth. I'm digging up this soil because this is where a black man got lynched in 1937 and I'm going to honor his life today. The man just stood there. The paper that described the lynching was on the ground next to her and the man asked, does that paper talk about it? Would it be all right if I read it? Yes, of course, she said. She dug while the man read. When he finished reading, he put the paper back down and then surprised her by asking, excuse me, but it would it be okay if I helped you dig? Yeah, Please. The man got down on his knees. She offered him the shovel, but he said, No, I'll just just use my hands. And the man, that man started throwing his hands into the soil and putting the soil in the jar with such conviction, such focus, that the woman she started to cry. When the man saw this, he said, Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm upsetting you. She said, No, you are blessing me. They both kept digging and filling up the jar. When they finished, she saw a tear running down his face. She put a hand on his shoulder and asked him if it was all right, if he was all right. No, he said, I'm not all right. I'm just so worried that it might have been my grandfather that helped lynch this man. And they just sat there on the roadside, weeping together. After a few minutes, they both asked to take photos of each other holding the jar of dirt. And then the man asked her, would it be okay if I followed you back to the museum to see the jar put in its proper place? And she said, yes. There will always be people who will say the resurrection happened only once. There will always be preachers who tell you the end is near. There will always be pundits who declare society's on a precipice. Oh no! There will always be people who say we are doomed. They are all wrong. Hope is real. Love has won. Life, it's conquered death. Resurrection power is available here and now to us. For every story of despair, there are hundreds of stories of resurrection. For every act of cruelty, there are countless Countless acts of compassion. For every day, ordinary people roll away stones, rise up from the grave, and stare down death. This, this story, your story, God's story, Christ's story, this is the story we have to tell. This is the story that defines all of our lives. This is the story that reveals the truth. Christ is risen. Christ has risen indeed. And his story is not coming to an end. It has only just begun. Alleluia. And amen. I invite you to join me in listening to hymn 119, The Strife Is Over.
0: You are listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon, entitled, Truth Revealed, which was delivered by Rev. Derek Starr Redwine, our interim pastor. Our second hymn is, The Strife is O'er, which is number 119 in the Presbyterian Hymn.
2: Brothers and sisters, having heard God's word proclaimed and heard the response in song, let us now respond in affirmation of what we believe together, using the Apostles' Creed as printed in our bulletins. Please stand and let us join together in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost Please be seated. And let us go together to our God in prayer. Almighty God, we are gathered here in light of the fact that you are our light and our salvation. We are gathered in praise of the ways you not only lovingly crafted each one of us in your image, but then came incarnate as Christ, God with us as one of us, to bear and bury our sins, to conquer death and bring resurrection not only on the cross and out of the empty tomb 2,000 years ago, but also throughout history, throughout our lives, and unto thy kingdom come. And Lord, we give thanks, and we also look forward to the ultimate day of resurrection, when we will be raised up to live ever more intimately with you, reunited with loved ones lost, and embraced amid the full community of your people to feast, to rejoice, to thrive in the new Jerusalem as part of your eternally flourishing, bountifully good creation. We thank you, Lord, for this gift of eternal life hereafter and the ways that it burst forth as renewed life here and now. We praise you and seek you, God, our creator and redeemer. lord we thank you for this day that you have made a day we have never lived before and a day we will never live again guide each of us in this sanctuary and in your church throughout the world to perceive and lean into your presence god you know some of us are here worshiping this morning in times of great loss and struggle and we need desperately to feel your embrace whether in our hearts or through the kindness of those around us Some of us are here in the midst of immense joy and renewed hope, and we need to remember the ways we're always only ensconced in your grace. Some of us are here amid doubts and confusion, and we need your encouragement and wisdom. While some of us are here amidst abiding trust and clarity, and we simply need our daily bread, our spiritual sustenance from you. But all of us, Lord, are bound together in this sanctuary and across this earth as your people in worship and in prayer, joining one another in the light of Christ to set our minds on heavenly things so that we might be your ambassadors amid earthly things. God, we ask that you make us your hands and your feet, your arms and your ears in this world to comfort and aid all those within our reach who are in trouble and sorrow, in poverty and sickness and grief, those in particular in need of healing, whether physically or spiritually. Make your abiding love, your resurrecting beauty, your just peace and your reconciling grace the defining marks of our everyday lives and guide our nation and our world still reeling from the physical and financial fallout of the pandemic to work together toward the world that reflects your heart and your intention for all to flourish together. We praise you and seek you, God, our creator and redeemer. And Lord, we ask your blessing as well over the ministries of worship and discipleship and congregational care at this church. We thank you as well for the outreach this past month with Shalom Farms and Souls for Souls and the Red Cross blood drive on Friday. We ask that you bless the blood donated, the shoes gathered and sorted, the plants prepared to further your ministries of compassion and healing and justice. And gracious Lord, we give thanks as well for our interim pastor, Reverend Star Redwine, and ask your continued blessing over his life and his ministry. And as we look for our covenant pastor, Lord, here at Grace Covenant, we ask that you pour your spirit out over our search committee and all those who apply. We ask that you knit this process together in such a way that someone is called who can empoweringly come alongside us as a collaborative part of our congregation and staff to help us proclaim the gospel of Christ Jesus and grow in the twin love of you, our God, and our neighbors. Lord, as always, cultivate us in your resurrecting and reconciling ways. We praise you and we seek you, God, our creator and redeemer. And now, Lord, we enfold all of these prayers in the words that you taught us when you came incarnate as Christ Jesus, Son of the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to save us from sin and from death. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
1: We are all blessed beyond measure, and in response to God's blessings, we give back. We act generously towards one another, towards the world, towards this church, Thank you for all the ways you give of yourself, of your resources that further not only the ministries of Grace Covenant but also other ministries and missions around the city and the world. Thank you for all the ways you give. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, receive these gifts. Multiply them to bring more light and love and peace in the world. May these gifts point to your resurrection power, your son's gift, and your abiding presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated and join me in listening to the final hymn, hymn 209, Thine is the Glory. Go now in peace to love and serve the Lord, and as you go, may the Easter promise give you eyes to see all that God is doing in your life and in the world. For Christ is risen. 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 Know this and be at peace. Hallelujah. Amen.